get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Good evening, good afternoon, or wherever you may be, or whenever you may be. I'm your host, Michael Feenan, and you are listening to what is probably going to be the inaugural episode of our segment, Build Process. Now, Build Process is going to be a once-in-a-while little piece we do where we talk to other web professionals in the field, talk about what they're doing, what makes them excited about being a developer or a designer or a UX professional or whatever the case may be. So... With me today on the other microphone is my good friend at the Web Accessibility Summit uh, up here in Columbia, Missouri today. We're recording a little bit on the go, but uh, that's all right. It's providing a fun challenge for me, and I'm sure um, Paul's got more than enough running around to do to take some time out for me. So thanks a whole lot, Paul, for sitting down with us. Not a problem. So my friend Paul Gilzow. I am Paul. I'm a programmer analyst here at the University of Missouri. I've been here 17 years. Jesus. I'm, yeah, it's a long, <laughs> actually, this is my 18th year, going on my coming up on my anniversary uh, next month. Uh, and I've been uh, both with uh, the Division of IT, the HR, um, and then finally over with the Strategic Communications and Marketing Team, where I'm the lead developer and currently in charge of trying to migrate our entire web inf infrastructure over to the cloud. I, what does that even mean for, for the university? Well, we have about 1,800 websites. Oh, only? Only. Only. Uh, currently, they are, those are contained in about 12 different CMSs, and they want to narrow that down to two, both Drupal and WordPress, and then move everybody from their disparate, uh, decentralized web servers to one cloud solution. You know, that's kind of bold too. With Drupal, I understand because Drupal is high-powered. It's you know it's got a lot of headroom in terms of what it can do and how it can scale. WordPress is an interesting for it a is. university, and, and you say eighteen hundred websites. Even having worked at a university, that number and Mizzou is, I mean, it's a good-sized university, but we it's are. far from huge, huge, right? Right. So I mean, Columbia is what a hundred thousand, a little over a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand. But still, that's a that is a bold undertaking, and and good luck, good soldier. <laughs> yes, it was it was decided that was that decision was made uh, because we match about the market rate. About a, th a third of the websites that we have are in WordPress. About five percent are in Drupal. Inside CMSs, the bulk is WordPress, and about twenty five percent, I'd say, is Drupal. And so the decision was simply to go with the the biggest lion share of the CMSs that we had, and then migrate from those other ones into one of those two solutions. Uh, you're right, though. What we've discovered is that WordPress does not scale horizontally very well. It can scale <laughs> vertically. It can it can do more, uh, you know, it can process faster. It can serve more and more uh, visitors. But what we found is trying to scale it uh, laterally, trying to scale up a whole bunch of sites simultaneously was was rather problematic and has, been, has proven to be quite challenging. And I can only assume... Uh, the Gutenberg update is probably a... That one is, is problematic. Is it terrifying? Is it scary? Is it concerning? Is it just something that you're going to deal with when you deal with it? Well, we're going to deal with it when, when it comes out, when it finally comes out. My biggest concern is, is trying to retrain all the users that we currently <laughs> have to use Gutenberg. We, we have a wide variety of skill sets that are doing content uh, in WordPress from those who are administrative assistants just starting out who have never touched WordPress 
all the way up to the you know faculty member who's been here for years doing stuff with it. Um, and some of them struggle just with the current interface, which most people would say is fairly straightforward, fairly easy to understand. Uh, so Gutenberg, with the way it kind of restructures things, is a little scary in terms of trying to figure out how we're going to retrain those users. The other complication with Gutenberg is it does give a lot more flexibility to the layout of a page, uh, which is fantastic if you are someone who has the skill set and the knowledge and experience to correctly lay out a page. What we've discovered with many users who don't have any experience in that is once given the opportunity to redesign a page how they'd like, it becomes a horrible nightmare for end users to try to navigate. It's salt, right? Right. A little bit of salt goes a long way, way. but a lot of folks, if they don't know what they're doing, they just kind of dump it in and hope for the best. Yes. So the plan right now is to probably withhold Gutenberg or fall back to the classic editor until we can kind of get some training and see how people react with it and, and start getting them through that training. That'll be an interesting conversation. I'll maybe have to bookmark you for a few months down the road. Uh, that We talked about that in, in our Gutenberg episode where we discussed, uh, you know, it, it certainly, there is a technical component to it, but a huge piece of that really is training, is logistical, it's planning, it's a pr planning right. problem and knowing what's coming, when it's coming, and how exactly you're going to roll out yep. the training pieces and all of that, because obviously you have a lot of people with their hands in the pie. Yep. Um, and that's, yeah, a, a whole lot of ways for people to just get confused. Fused and, and create something that's going to take quite a bit of work to either fix or redo. Yeah. So that's the big, that's the big challenge I think we're coming up with Gutenberg. Oh, good luck. I, uh, yeah. I, better you than me. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be an interesting time. We run uh, at our company three off the top of my head websites in WordPress that I'm responsible for. Only three. Right. And even that I'm looking at going, this is going to be an interesting, be uh, interesting. Interesting few months, and of course, uh, not even getting into like all the GDPR pieces of it, and and all that because that's, oh, that's that's true for everything. Other, yeah. But uh, so you came in right around the the millennium, and mm -hmm. you were, you started right about two thousand, right? Yes. And so, what? Why? Why would that appeal to you, especially at that point in time? Well, I I started programming in third or fourth grade, back in basic, way back. Um, wrote a voting program in fifth grade for my school that used it. So was just always drawn to programming and did it throughout middle school. Uh, high school came and you become a teenager and you, you kind of lose interest in those things. And See, that's where we got into it. My, a friend and I in high school, we get the, you know, the TI calculators. Right, right. And we discovered, hey, these could solve a whole lot of problems for us if we tell it. Tell it how to do it. <laughs> that was sort of my inauguration into you know hey i can write code and just make it tell me the periodic table of elements do whatever you need it to do and the teachers didn't really understand that at that point now I th i'm guessing they're a little smarter but <laughs> so I, I did that uh kind of fell out in high school uh, took computer classes in college thought it might go back into it and uh absolutely hated pascal and it turned me off completely from computing uh went and got my marketing degree and my first, but my first real job, I mean, I had several jobs. My first real job was being a technical trainer for a company out of St. Louis, and I was subcontracted for the state of Missouri to teach uh, the full Lotus suite, that IBM Lotus suite of products. Right. And part of, and as one side, I also taught HTML. 
And that was kind of my reintroduction into programming was these this web page, and I started getting into, getting into the web. I had my own GeoCities page right? Um, and started getting into that and really loving it. Uh, I eventually ended up here at the university as another technical trainer, and at the time we were using paper surveys at the end of the, each class, which I thought was ridiculous. Why do we need to do that? So I taught myself um, ASP.NET and built a survey application. Um, about five years after I started there, the human resources department came to me and said, we need an online application system. We, you know, we're processing about thirty to 40,000 paper applications a year, and surely there's got to be a more efficient way to do this. So I moved over to HR and built an online job application system for them that processed in the first year, it was between 225 and 250,000 job applications. Wow. So they went from shuffling. I, when you said application, the, I thought you meant student application. No, Even. this was like fit job application. Job, that's job still application. a crazy number it's for crazy jobs. Crazy number. It was enough that they they had failed to anticipate the increase in applications that they would get. They assumed it would be thirty thousand pieces of paper, and we do it online. It'd be thirty thousand online applications. But because it's so much easier to yeah, submit you, one you online, decrease the the barrier. To you decrease the barrier to entry because you don't have to fill that piece of paper out. All you have to do is shop for a job and you've already got your resume and your application finished you just keep applying for whatever job you want so that was great it was successful um and then about two years after i built that i oh within that two years i built some other processing pieces for hr uh, that they hadn't automated yet so we automated it's called personnel action forms but if you need to take a vacation or you need to change jobs change your name those types of hr processes right, yeah uh, and automated those before we had a PeopleSoft type. Right, exactly. That option. PeopleSoft was just coming in. It had been implemented or started to be implemented when I started in 2000, um, and they'd rolled out the finance and the student piece, but they hadn't got to the HR. So about 2007, 2008 was when they started to do the HR piece, and at the same time, the head of the web team, the central web team here, came to me and said, "We need a programmer because we want to take." the web for the university to the next level, and we need a programmer here to help us get there. And so I moved from HR over to that. I was very proud to say that the the HR, the, the online job application system that I built, despite them having PeopleSoft's e-recruit application implemented, the hospital said, no, we don't want that one, we want Paul's, <laughs> and used it until, I want to say, 2012. So they used it for three or four years after I even left. Do, the right answer, whenever somebody says, do you want to use PeopleSoft or... It's always the or. <laughs> or. Or no, just no. So I moved over there in 2007 and been there since. Uh, we've gone through a ton of transitions and a, a ton of changes as far as our priorities and, and what we were charged with to do, um, but have, have for the most part, loved it over there. And what's your specialty now as far as, like, languages and and uh, process and, and all of that? We have always traditionally been a LAMP stack. So Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. So my forte is PHP. I uh, started doing WordPress sites in 2009 and have been building WordPress sites since then. So that's kind of my specialty area here at the university. Um, and then, I don't know if you've met John Boyer. He's also here. He's the Drupal side of our shop. Gotcha. And so you guys are all together then. What about, um, like, do you guys have anybody who does automation testing, QA, uh, design, things? Are those part of your team? They will be. Uh, we have, uh, we we had two additional people 
in those types of roles, um, and we've lost one of them. Uh, Jason Rollins is the other one, but he also serves as the assistant director, so he's kind of split. So we are getting ready to hire another designer developer to kind of fill that role. Um, automated testing we've started to get into, and that is actually John and I are building out most of that right now. Uh, what are you using for your platform? Behat. Okay. Um, we use GitLab as the um, deployment. Yeah. So it builds out an environment, runs the tests. Um, and then we're starting to use, or looking to use, uh, oh, I forgot, it's not PhantomJS. Mocha? Jest? I'd have to look it up. It's a, but another one to do visual regression testing. Oh, visual, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. For, I, we have not gotten there yet. Well, our, we our, haven't either. We just <laughs> know that's where we want to yeah, go. Our visual piece is still very manual. Uh, we have we have a manual QA tester, and his job is to go in and just look at the pages. Yeah. And I mean, he tests out, he tests forms and buttons and clicks things as well. But we brought him on specifically because we had the automation piece that's been sorted out for quite a while okay. for us. Um, but that visual manual piece was where we were like we. You know, nobody likes to talk about the the monster in the closet of like their CSS files, and so we were having starting to run into problems where you change that one class, yeah. or you know, you you think that you've got something that's atomic and isolated, and it turns out no, it's used you know across forty eight different pages, and now you've broken those. So yes. that's where we we're like, okay, let's maybe bring somebody in who will mm -hmm. stop that. Start doing, yeah, start working on that. Well, and automation in general is a huge chunk of what John and I are working on now as far as how to deploy automatically sites, create them, and bring them up in whatever environment we go with, as well as testing. So when we go to do an update, we can automate testing yeah. of, of a thousand sites all at once before we bring them up or before we update them. Which And this stuff is all significantly more complicated than oh, when yes. you picked up HTML oh, in yes, 2000 absolutely. or whatever yeah. it was. How, like, what have you done, especially, let's say, the last five years in particular? You know, what what keeps you sharp? How do you keep yourself motivated in terms of just staying on top of these new tools? When I'm to give you an example. I am pounding myself over the head right now with Mocha.js okay. for, uh, for JavaScript testing. And it has shown me how out of touch I get how quickly. Oh, because yeah. Because it is hard and mocha is an easy like it is not a difficult piece of software but integrating it after the fact i'm learning wow i've not kept up with how to plug some of these things together yeah it's this this industry can be extremely demoralizing <laughs> because you think man i am on top of my game i've got this down and you stop paying attention for two seconds and all of a sudden you feel like the world has just left you behind like you are nowhere near where everybody else is uh so it's tough i mean to be honest, uh, one of the best ways I have found recently to kind of keep myself going is when we brought John on. Uh, John had a completely different, uh, you know, his background was Drupal, had a completely different outlook. And so he was real big into Composer. Being a WordPress shop, we don't use Composer. We don't have any need for Composer because all your dependencies, any dependency you have is in a is in a plugin or it's in a theme. You right. don't use Composer to manage WordPress. So I had completely fallen out of that aspect uh, of dependency management in PHP and have fallen in love with it. It's just, it's amazing. And so we're, one of the things with the WordPress deployments is we're looking at moving our entire WordPress, WordPress workflow over to a composer-based workflow and all of the challenges that that brings in in terms of compliance of, of, you know, now 
WP packages runs through a third party. So how does that, can we get that compliant within our yeah. internal policies? Um, but that's just been an amazing, just having somebody else with a completely different aspect, with a completely different background, questioning what you do. Right. And saying, why aren't you doing it this way? What about this way? Uh, so that and just reading constantly and, and trying to pick up some stuff on the side, you know, do a little react, do a little view to try to keep my skill sets up with those. Um, but to be honest, like the front end stuff, I've completely fallen out of. I mean, if you were to ask me to, to debug some CSS, I would struggle because <laughs> that's just not – I've never been a designer. Front end's not been my forte, so I just kind of let that one go to the to the designers that we had on the team. Yeah, it's funny how you kind of fall into those comfort spots. Yeah. You find where it's squishy and you settle. Uh, it's And I think it's important to talk about, like, the learning aspect and the keeping up aspect because, you know, one thing I hope that this new build process segment that we're doing here – um, focuses on is you know Im imposter syndrome is in it's huge it's it's not just huge it's not just real but i think it's almost you you, you mentioned the word demoralizing you know i think when i look at folks because now i mean i've been in the industry for professionally since 2006 but i've been building websites since the 90s um right. you know i i look back at how i did things and how i do things now and i realize I am getting left behind on things, but at the same time, it's important to realize that that's okay because you're not supposed to keep up with all There's the things. No way. You you find those squishy, comfortable areas and keep up with those because the com with with the increase in complexity, I think organizations are starting to understand that you can't have the one size fits all webmaster no. anymore. That's not a thing. Yeah, they're a unicorn. They don't, they, they don't really exist. They exist. I I know one, and I don't know how his brain works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say they don't exist. I do know a couple, but they are very well paid because they're exactly. very rare. Yeah, they, they're cra – and do you, do you think, to think about the new blood aspect and getting somebody to challenge you? Even if they don't work for you, if you make friends with one and can yeah. sit down and talk to them once in a while, yeah. it's incredible to think about, like – they can pick up a library and it's just like, oh, yeah, I was playing with this the other night and, and it's, you know, I I made it, you know, work with Webpack and, and and Jenkins and all this and we just kind of threw that in there and it's it let us get rid of like 500,000 lines of code and it's like, wait, what? Yeah. You did that just last night for fun because how? Yeah. <laughs> That's what – I, that makes me realize, nope, I am no unicorn. I am like a horse with a uh, plastic thing glued to my forehead. <laughs> I think one of the most important things I've realized, especially late, is that it's okay to not be great at all of it. Like, yeah. There's just – there's no way to be able to keep up with every aspect. So like you said, you pick you pick the thing that you're passionate about, the thing that you really like, and you dig into that and realize that's okay. It's okay that you don't know all the the reactor or a particular framework or a particular set of tools. Uh, I'm trying to think like Webpack and Gulp and those things or whatever. You pick out the pieces that you are really passionate about and dive in because that's what's going to make you happy. You know, so for me, security has always been security and accessibility have always been my big passions, and so digging really deep into security and figuring out, you know, how can I make the university more secure, and then putting myself out there and and just being passionate about that. Yeah. And so what's what does that mean for what's next for you? Because obviously, uh, well, I know our listeners probably don't. You, you speak at conferences all over the place um, with uh, phenomenal talks on security. And, and well, the security talk maybe is the only one I have heard from you recently, I think. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't. I guess last high, year's high ed web twenty sixteen probably was, would have been the last one, right? Um, so, but what's next in terms of whether that's something you're working on personally or with the university? Besides, obviously the, the website migration. Like, what are you looking towards, or what's ex- what what is exciting for you? Do you think that's coming? Well, so once we get this cloud solution figured out and we get those pieces built, well, that's exciting. Are are you building your own cloud infrastructure for we, that? Well, we don't know. Okay. We're looking at it. Uh, we're looking at prepackaged options, and then we're looking at at just at bu- at building our own in either Google or Amazon or Azure. Okay. Uh, it, that's really complicated. I don't think we'll go that route, but we've got it on the table. Yeah, okay. Beanstalk oh. is your friend. <laughs> well, there's I mean there's and there's a ton of options. That's just it. There's a ton of options. So just trying to sort through which one's going to work for the university because you work for a university. We're weird beast. We have yeah. all these weird policies that we have to adhere to and a lot of requirements that we have to try to meld into these prepackaged solutions. Uh, So after that's done, what I'm really excited about is one of the things that the team has been working on is, and I'm going to call it a sausage factory, even though they don't like me calling it a sausage factory anymore, but taking our design system and running it through a process that then spits out Drupal and WordPress themes directly so that our Drupal sites and our WordPress sites look on the front end, exactly the same. Interesting. Okay. So we've developed a framework in WordPress that uses Twig, and we're matching it to how Drupal uses Twig through Symfony. I'm just I'm I'm staring at Paul a little blankly right now. To our our friends on the other side, um, I don't even know how that would work. It, it, <laughs> it isn't working yet. We we have most of our WordPress sites are based on Twig, so that our developers, our designers, can design in Twig. And have it completely separated from the business logic right. and all the interactions with WordPress directly. Um, that also frees us up to be able to change those over to Mustache if we need to and yeah. then use a headless CMS. Um, but again, the, the idea is to, to bake out from our design system that they're also developing. Take those design systems, like a pre-baked template, and then just push out the Twig files to WordPress and Drupal and automatically update those. Interesting. So if the chancellor says, you know, we want... This actually happened not too far long ago. You know, we want four buttons on every website. Well, all we have to do is create the four buttons and the twig piece, push that push out, out, and every site will automatically have them. Very cool. That, yeah, with multiple CMSs, that reduces, I mean, it certainly adds complexity in one area, but it reduces it significantly right. in another. So. Yeah, so right now it's, it's, it's impossible. We can't do it. We've got... You know, like I said, twelve different CMSs. We've got static uh, file or static sites. Uh, it's physically impossible to go do it right now. And so the goal is to be able to do that in the near future. Very cool. Yeah. So that that's very exciting. Uh, the whole team is really, really ch- kind of chomping at the bit to try to get to dig into that and make that happen. How many visitors a month does you do your websites like in Ooh. total process? Oh wow! A couple million. Several million. Yeah. Several million. Yeah, just. I, I asked that question mostly for scale for the folks at home to kind of understand how how much movement there is oh, yeah. when you have that much property to manage. I think in terms of uh, doing the contracts, we estimated, I want to say 10.5 million? Or maybe I'm thinking terabytes. I think it's 10.5 terabytes of data a month is what we move. Man. Yeah. Okay, that's that's real. So oh. maybe four million visitors, <laughs> something like that. It's it's a lot. It's and it's one of those things where a lot of them charge for bandwidth, and that becomes a, an extremely expensive 
So do you do internal chargebacks? Is that what happens? Oh, we do. Or? For the university is on uh, iNet two when we're hooked up through MoreNet, so we don't really pay anything for bandwidth right now. I mean, okay. it, is, it is less than it's like tenth of a cent per gig or something. It's dirt cheap. So you can leave our listeners with one piece of advice for the future and think about these folks as being young up-and-coming type people what would be that piece of advice that you would give them to make them think that this is not a scary field to be in (laughs) okay well i'll do it as a kind of a combo i'll say one is listen to those that have been there before you and and listen and really listen listen to their advice because they're probably not telling you to stop you from doing something because they don't like you but they're trying to stop you from making the same mistakes they did yeah and the other is to realize that you're not an imposter nobody except for a few unicorns actually has all of it figured out it's okay that you don't know everything you don't understand everything because nobody else does either we're all just kind of making do as we as we can both good pieces of advice i like it cool Paul, I want to thank you for sitting down with me. Yeah, I know I'm stealing time. time away from you. Um, I don't know how much are you doing the plan, helping with the planning and the running. Yeah, I'm doing an audio video today. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm still and I'm doing audio or yeah, just audio here. But I'll be your doppelganger. There um, you go. So thanks for taking the time out with us. Uh, Happy to do it. We will uh, catch up at some point, I'm sure. But oh, let, yeah. let us know how the WordPress and Drupal migration goes. Cause oh, that, yeah. I'll be doing a presentation on it as soon as we get it done. So there, there is a case study there. <laughs> a pretty good one, it sounds like. I'm hoping. Like. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thanks.